All right. Song called Liquor Store. Thank you for tuning in. This is Matt Santos, and you are listening to episode number 209 of the Mile High Show. You are in for another treat, a recurring takeover of the mics uh, this week by Jim Sobo, founder of the Howling Coyote Tour. You can find out information on the tour and the, and the venues they play and the people that uh, go with them at HowlingCoyoteTour.com. They also have a Facebook page. You can find Jim on there. The basis of, of the tour is to take Prescott-based singers and songwriters on a tour of California through some of Jim Sobo's old haunts, ranging from L.A. up through the coast and San Francisco and the North Bay into, uh, into uh, Petaluma, Santa Rosa, that whole swing through of California. And, uh, and so periodically what he does is uh, he does that tour every summer. I believe this is like the 14th or 15th year. He'll get into that. Uh, but uh, monthly what he does is features some of those guests uh, by way of a live performance at Mark's Beer Garden. The next one is coming up June 28th. He'll give you more details on that as well. Uh, but he does that every month, and then once a year, he takes the whole show on the road. So uh, those of you in California are in for a very, very exciting treat come July, I believe, when they head out. Uh, but every month, every single month at Mark's Beer Garden uh, in Prescott, Arizona, you can get a little taste of that Highland Coyote tour. Now, on the 28th, he is featuring... He is featuring two of the uh, most respected and sought-after musicians in our area, Mr. Pat Berry, who I have just recently met when we recorded this session. Uh, you can find him on Pat Berry, and I'm going to spell his last name. It's B-E-A-R-Y, Pat.Berry on Facebook. That is his musician page. Follow him, get to know his art, his music, uh, and then come see him live on the 28th at Mark's Beer Garden. Uh, also featured on today's episode, and I am I am recording this a couple of days after we recorded uh, the uh, the episode. So rest assured, I made it back safely to uh, to the safety of my home and of my family. Uh, because the second musician sitting in with Jim and Pat was uh, the infamous, the scary, the terrifying Mr. Gary Yakura. Now, if you are a regular listener of this show, uh, you may know my very uh, real and vivid fear of Gary Yakura. Uh, he has been mentioned on this show, on the Mile High Show, probably more than any other musician, any other non-guest. He has not sat down with me to record. Oh, I'm crackling there. I need to change out this chord. No, maybe that's because I'm mentioning Gary right now. 
because that's what happens. Uh, without fail, if Gary is mentioned in a recording session, he will magically appear in that venue. It has happened at uh, Granite Mountain Brewing. It has happened at the Birdcage several times. It has happened at the Raven. It has happened in an alley behind the Birdcage. Uh, he just appears out of the mist and gives, uh, gives me this look that uh, he knows I have been talking about him. He is reading my mind, and he is casting some deadly spell upon me. But see, I, I made it safely home. Uh, it, it's odd. I, many, 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 many times I have, uh, I have just casually mentioned Gary on the mics, and I will glance across the room, and he'll be walking in. Now, of course, I'm joking. Gary is a is a uh, is a fantastic musician and and a great guy. We had a lot of fun talking after after the recording session. But it is it is odd. He uh, it, it started several years ago when I first photographed uh, uh, him playing drums for the Cheek Tones. And he is just so intense when he plays. He's so intense when he's uh, when he's uh, performing. It's just it, you get it's a, it's an intimidating look, is what it is. And I jokingly mentioned that to Don Cheek, and and he uh, told me, "No, my fears are founded. There is a dark side to Gary." Uh, through ze- several conversations with Wes Williams, Dave Whitley, others, they have uh, they have confirmed my fear is based, firmly based in reality. There is uh, some dark forces going on with, uh, with, uh, with Gary, and it has actually prompted a, uh, a, a sub-Facebook group, the Eucharistas, that monitor all things Gary. So <laughs> follow the Eucharistas. <laughs> follow Gary, follow Pat, follow Jim, follow the Howling Coyotes tour, and get out and experience and listen to some uh, to some live music wherever you happen to live. And those of us in Prescott and in Northern Arizona have the uh, have the ability to see these guys live. Uh, it was mentioned this is possibly the first time Pat and Gary have ever played in the same uh, in the same room together. So uh, so sit back and enjoy follow them find them on wherever they happen to have music out on social media on the web on wherever but better than that see them live june 28th and mark's beer garden and uh and above all else support local artists and support the venues that support those local artists the Raven being one. Oh, and pat will be playing there as if you're listening to this today when i post it which is uh June 20th, he will be playing live at the Raven, a solo show, tomorrow, Friday the 21st. But uh, he also mentioned he plays out in the Verde uh, at wineries and and various other venues out there. And uh, just just find out where he is and go see him. An excellent songwriter and a beautiful voice, beautiful guitar playing. And Gary, who I knew mostly from his drumming uh, with with various bands throughout the area, uh, his guitar playing, his songwriting just blew me away. His voice, uh, so sit back and enjoy, and uh, and follow the Howling Coyote Tour dot com. Uh, go go see live music, and if you do, sit at a bar, sit at a table, sit in a booth, 
mentioned, just just mentioned, just dropped the name, Gary Yukura. And he just might show up. But it could have been anyone. Anyone who's bowed their head before closed doors. Call it a lap of sin. Call it whatever you wish. But no sin, no forgiveness, no Jesus. Well, maybe a Jesus who dies just like everyone else. Okay, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Howling Coyote Tour Radio Hour on MileHighShow.com. My name is Jim Sobo, and today I've got two singer-songwriters, original singer-songwriters um, from the Prescott, Arizona area, who um, over the last 18 years that I've been here uh, have admired and respected and um, enjoyed watching and listening to um, craft their their styles. And uh, these two gentlemen are Mr. Pat Berry and Mr. Gary Yukura. Um, Pat, how are you? I'm well. Excellent. For excellent. Me. Thank you so much for, for stopping by today. Um, you uh, have been how long in, in this town? I, I don't like to think about it. I'm getting old. Yeah, but I know. now I I hit 20 years this spring. 20 years, I yeah. Clean, I clean 20. A lot of folks that I know, I'm coming up on 20 now. Yeah. And uh, when I first moved here, I met a bunch of great people like Gary and John Hust. Yeah. And uh, David and David Whitley. Um, and all the, all the usual yeah, suspects yeah yeah all the usual suspects just hanging out at coyote joe's which is where the coyote tour comes from howling coyote being uh singer singer songwriters that were playing at the at the original singer songwriter night that michael lewis used to run there years years ago and um so gary and john actually were crazy enough to go up to the san francisco bay area with me a couple times a few times um, and that's how the tour got started It was by taking original singer-songwriters Who write their own songs, play their own songs Perform their own songs, record their own songs um, Are serious about their craft Into my favorite or my second favorite musical uh, community um, There's a little hamlet uh, just above the Golden Gate Bridge And between Sebastopol and uh, Rohnert Park and Petaluma and um, Sonoma County there where there's just wonderful places to play and they love they still love to this day they still love acoustic singer songwriters oh, and you can still get bookings and get paid very well <laughs> and get on on the radio KRSH had us for many years and uh, Andre actually is, is still there um, uh, who's now the program manager at, at KRSH um, so yeah, that was the, the beginnings of, of the tour, and now 14 years later, um, we're still at it. 
But now we do it here in Prescott, Arizona. If anyone doesn't know about Prescott, Arizona, we're about 5,800 feet up in the mountains of uh, Arizona. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous place. Uh, some lakes and some forest and um, just a nice, nice quality of life if you want, ever want to get off of the beaten track. And there just happens to be one of my favorite musical communities here. So um, it's ever-changing, although there's still a lot of the same, same folks around here. And rarely um, do you get to see these two gentlemen um, perform, and uh, I don't think you ever get them to do interviews. So uh, I'm going to be very careful. It's not to offend, um, and make sure that this is a. It's, it's, uh, it's early in the. In the yeah, this is a, this is a comfortable <laughs> setting for everyone, and rarely do you ever get to see them play together. In fact, this will probably be the first time that the two of you have probably. ever played in the same room. Yeah. So I'm the great thing about the tour and just the concept is everyone does um, two half hour sets and then when you get done someone else does their half hour set and it just keeps rotating so you get a chance to sit down and watch someone else's set and if you're a fan of them which uh everyone that has come on the tour i've been a fan of um so it's great i'm i get to watch some of my most favorite uh performers and perform at the same time and um so it's great this next show is going to be at mark's beer garden as it has been um over the last year on june 28th from 6 to 9 p.m here in prescott arizona and let's just get going um so pat you've been here about 20 years now yeah and um how did you find your way how did the, did the, the guitar and you meet and uh, the guitar and i met i've got uh two older brothers and uh, both of whom both of whom took the same basic guitar class in high school. So you grow up and your older brothers do something. That's what happens when you get to high school. So I took Mr. Johnston's guitar one class and I don't know, I, I took to it. I, I immediately loved it. And that's what I spent the next God knows how many years doing. <laughs> so, Were you since. doing woodworking then too? Or? No, I didn't get into woodworking at all until I came here. The first, I I showed up here in ninety eight, ninety nine, and I had a little bit of cash left and a little bit of food left in the van, so I f took the first job I could find, which happened to be at a cabinet shop. So that was about it. Yeah. Well, there's there's something too. Um you know, luthiers and wood, wood, woodworkers and um, and how that translates into being a guitar player. Luthiery is, is supposed to be the next step. I keep teasing myself with it, but that that's one thing that I've sort of always been afraid of. I've built the equipment. I've gathered up the stuff. I've got the space. I've got... I've got all the skills. I know I can build pretty much anything I want to, but there's something a little too magical about uh, stringed instruments. Yeah, I'm seeing more so and more people held off. Um, work on either electrics or acoustics now and kind of come up with their own rigs. Yeah. I had uh, um, Nick Can Canuel mm -hmm. and um, Sean McDermott on, um, and Sean does, he makes his own uh, electrics, and they, they both have a lot of skills in those yeah. areas. So when I went over to their place, they've got it 
bunch of stuff up up on the wall. And yeah, I mean, I've I've stripped and rebuilt electrics over oh, the years yeah. quite a few times. Yeah. The uh, the uh, the arch top electric that I I use even when I do solo stuff sometimes is something that I bought in pieces and totally stripped out and rewired and rebuilt. It's it's going the next step to actually you know from from uncut lumber to a finished arch top wow. because my natural inclination is to do exactly what I want to have the first time. And do you, do you, I've never seen you play and electric. Do you, do you rock out sometimes? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I learned to play and it was all when it, when I was learning, it was all Ramones and black Sabbath and, and old Ozzy and noise. Lots and lots of noise. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I saw. So I've, I've still got the ringing in my ears. <laughs> from I saw um, at the Hollywood Palladium once. I saw Motorhead, and I was literally right in front of the speaker. I must have hurt like hell. Um, yeah, it was it was <laughs> tough. That was tough. And I actually got to see X um, at uh, the Whiskey. They were actually just down in Phoenix recently. Yeah, yeah, John I, Doe and and Exen, yeah. yeah. It is so wonderful, so so beautiful, um, awesome. So um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk to Gary for just a second. Hello, hello, Mister Yukura. How how are you, sir? I'm good, Jim. Thank you. Good, good, good. Um, so Gary, if anyone doesn't know, is uh, also a, a great, respected uh, a drummer here in uh, town, um, and. Um, actually, on a uh, previous recording of mine, he's played several different instruments um, and is also very, very good around the, the board and puts out some really great recordings. If you ever get a chance, I'm sure you can find some of his stuff out, out there. Um, so um, I know you bounced around a little bit. You uh, Tell me if I'm wrong. You're, are you originally from the Minneapolis area or the Minnesota state area. Okay. Born and raised in Minnesota. Yeah. And, um, and then you spent a little bit of time in Montana, Missoula. I lived in Missoula, Montana for five and a half years too. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and so when, when you were, when did you meet the guitar and how did that come about? Met the guitar. I picked up a guitar when I was about 20. So that's 30 years ago now. And uh, picked it up primarily just to learn how to simply play songs so I could sing. And didn't have to have anybody else around to do it. So that's how I started. Was um, You know, I've always been really fascinated by your writing style and technique and how you approach it. Um, is that something that just kind of came to you over the years or right off the bat where you kind of that stream of consciousness lyrics and um, just kind of letting, you know, the music work through you instead of thinking too hard about it. Yeah. Initially uh, when I first started writing about 10 years after that, yeah, it just kind of started happening. Not a lot of thought goes into it. Uh, and because I have virtually no education on guitar, there's really not much to think about in terms of what I'm playing. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, I would call it a natural process that I don't know a lot about or yeah, know how to explain. And that's 
and I wouldn't ever want to. I would never want to try to dissect or analyze um, the wonderful songs that you create in the way that you 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 create them. Um, I know that we've talked about different bands over the years, and you actually turned me on to um, a couple of great bands from from your 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 area. Um, who are some of your influences when when you were growing up? Well, from the Minneapolis scene, when I was, say, in my early 20s, local bands like the Jayhawks and the Gear Daddies and Trip Shakespeare, I was a little bit too young to really catch the replacements when they were playing there, but right. their music certainly influenced me. Uh, so those? Yeah, no, those are, that's a, that's a foundation. <laughs> That's 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 the answer to that. that is good, good eating, right, right, right there. Yeah, um, yeah, and um, yeah, all, everyone um, from each of those bands uh, know a lot about crafting great songs. How about you, Pat? Was there um, other than metal? <laughs> was there uh, were were there other other um, musicians or bands or singer songwriters that really started to kind of talk to you? I, I don't think I ever really tried to uh, take anything from any of the loud stuff that I would listen to. I've honestly, I could, I could never really keep up with it, playing it, singing it, <laughs> writing it. Um, I think I got really fascinated with the idea of writing when I started listening to, um, I remember, and it blows my mind that that's what I did, but I think I actually remember getting Elvis Costello LPs out of the library next to the high school. And I remember, I remember copying, um, uh, what was that? Spike. Yeah. Elvis Costello's Spike album down to tape and learning a bunch of stuff off of that. But yeah, I think there was at least one song that he collaborated with McCartney on, on that one. He did. If you hear the original, put, put the flowers album out. Um, and then I think Spike came out just around that. He wrote a lot of that album with him. Uh, Veronica, Veronica, was, right. and um, I can't remember the others, but yeah, there's demos available that you can hear. Uh, the The original demos that the two of them put down, where they're yeah, singing harmony on some I of just the songs, heard those. Just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, they really are. I mean, just raw acoustic or piano, um, and just it's almost like the two of them sitting in a room working the songs that, out. That's when of, Costello's you know? at his really strongest. He's a brilliant arranger. That's that's the big thing. I mean, when I really got into doing multi-track recordings, I used to spend, you know, eight, ten-hour stretches in my parents' basement with a little tape four-track and just layering and layering and layering things. And I really got into that. Um, that's the only that's the only knock that I've developed against Elvis Costello is that these arrangements are almost like too big and grandiose yeah. at some point. Yeah. But when he does actually strip down for radio stuff or, or when you hear his original demos, the songs are just absolutely brilliant standing on their own and that's my thing i mean that's i remember seeing a show um in the bay area with jackson brown bonnie Raitt, uh crosby stills and nash keb mo and it was all acoustic and um and at the end they all came back on stage and played play with each other and that's kind of partially how i i saw this concept um, was you know for 
the ADD generation, you know, just to keep it rotating, and, and right. then it, it's stimulating for the patrons, stimulating for the for the the performers. Um, but yeah, just when someone can write their own song, play their own song, perform their own song, record their own their own uh, 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 music, and when it stands alone acoustically as well if not if not better than the way it was recorded to me that always showed like okay this this is the real deal yeah, yeah. that's that's always felt like that's the trick is is getting that i when, when i actually do recordings and i'm working on a, a, a new ep now i'm trying to lock down and i'm trying to hold myself back because historically i'll just beat something to death i'll put a demo down and i like it there's a reason i want to continue with it and I'll do 10, 20, 30, 40 different versions of it and throw them all away and then set it aside for a few years. And that's been going on long enough. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to slow myself down from doing that. But yeah, to actually get to get the intent down without getting bogged down in all the possibilities of uh, layering extraneous stuff on top. Yeah. Recording, it's always exhilarating for me when I first started, but, um, it's also, sometimes we just talk ourselves out of it. And, uh, and then once we're in it, we, you know, we, you can also talk yourself into a whole lot that you listen to the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) I was up till three in the morning doing this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that's, that's something that's great about, about Gary is just like in the way that you write, um, when you record, you know, you're pretty, this is what it is. You know? Put mics up and play. Right. See what you got. You right. know, I remember times in the basement with the four track, learning yeah. how to do it with the, you know, a brutal little drum set. And yep. it's like, oh, you're moving mics around and boy, it all doesn't sound very good. But after, <laughs> while, but after a while, it's like, well, that's what you get. That's what you, you know, yeah. based on your level of knowledge and your skills, yeah. that's what you get. And then move on oh there's nothing wrong with that for sure the, the one time that i played with a band it was a great band um you know and gary reminded me of this in in a recording of his that i listen to often of the band that he 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 put together is you write the song and then you hand it over to the musicians and see how they arrange it or just see what they play yeah that's a better way to put it right and then well, it turns into it turns into something else, and it maybe turns into something that you never could have possibly expected. It's it's always it's always a crapshoot. You do that, and because you don't really, that's something I run into. I have other people play some other instruments when I'm recording, and find out that there's a thing where the way I do it, anyways, I get too wrapped up in the recording, and you find out that nobody else is hearing what you're hearing because you're kind of hearing what you meant. And that's a really hard thing to explain to somebody. I think I experienced that when I play live, I wonder if I'm actually hearing what I'm playing or if I'm thinking about what I think it sounds like. Well, nobody else is listening. Nobody else is listening to the quiet parts in between quite the same way. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I wonder a similar thing when I'm actually performing. Sure. Yeah, we can. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said about overthinking um, during performing and recording, I have to say some of my favorite re- recording 
sessions have been um, just very natural, just like just like Gary's saying, just you know, roll tape and play, and just let it be. You well, know, you know, as, as unprofessional as I am, I mean, those are about the only recording <laughs> sessions I've ever had. You know, so yeah, yeah, but it's 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 fantastic. So, uh, you guys want to play some music? Sure, that'd be fantastic. Um, Pat, Pat please. said yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you hear it. I'm up for it. Yeah. This is one on the new EP I'm working on. This is called The Spark. This is not what it sounds like on the EP. Spark in the start, it was always there. Parking lots and supermarkets, broken glass. You were everywhere, I know. It took a long time. But simple things can be defined, and these bigger things beyond design just grow, and they grow the way they want to. I can't tell you how unsettling the distance was, undignified, but I wasn't quite what you expected. You don't like to be surprised. Why would I promise all the worrying away All I've got is weightless words A careless thought and a pretty thing to say But I could follow you around My darling dear, I hate to tell you But if these lonesome arms wrap around Those lovely ankles don't compel you I must presume none of this was true I keep thinking You'd be the death of me if I could be a part of you If the only thing that I've understood isn't anything And there is no debate There will be no tomorrow Just as there was no today thought don't let it haunt you for the ocean creeping up along that shoreline will dissolve you it might seem like a long long time that's when you're young and you're dumb and you're different in all that ignorance it doesn't push the tide back down it'll take you when it wants you i can't tell you how to set your sail or where to find the wind but i could stand beside you oceanside when the waves roll up to find you we should dig for gold together till they do I can't promise all the worrying away All I've got is weightless words A careless thought and a pretty thing to say But I can follow you around I can follow you I could follow you around.
Wow. Yeah, you, um, you every time I, I see you um, and hear you, it's always fresh and beautiful. And <laughs> it is, it is. It's just, I mean, it, it, this is what we do this. For, this is why we, we do this, you know, yeah. is, is to be able to that. do something that naturally. And, and I, I don't know if it's effortless on your part or not, but uh, it just sounds just oh, very like I said, I natural. Just, I, and, I beat it to death Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> until I think it sounds to you yeah. like it sounds to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it sounds like the lyrics are that you work at them um, a, a bit. Are, are, are you more stream of consciousness or do you um, come I, at those? I think I start that way. Yeah. And I mean, I've got books filled with tiny little songs, but stream of consciousness to me is, I can have a lyric, a half a verse or something, and that's kind of all it needs. And I'm sort of filling in the rest with my imagination. That's, I mean, that's how I end up, you know, pounding on things for, years until i feel like it's close enough to what i meant yeah how long um yeah there's a beautiful beautiful song i can't Thank wait you. to hear the the ep uh what type of production are you doing on on the ep it's actually all full band oh really um, yeah wow, i've um, never heard you with a full band i'm sure that's really interesting well you know every every couple of years or so i i put a band together usually just a three-piece maybe four and um we'll do a handful of shows here and there but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> do you have your, your own studio? Uh, yeah, I finally finished out more or less finished out a studio space in the back half of my shop at home. Beautiful. So yeah. Yeah. A nice little, very quiet, very secluded loft space. Excellent. Um, so Garrett, would, would you mind playing, playing a song? I know that's a that's a bad that's a bad question. Um, I can probably play. give I can probably give it a whirl. All right, if this, I can pull it off, I guess it'll end up on would the be, recording. That but, would be uh, fantastic. I would I would love that. All right, all right. Okay. Song called Liquor Store. Outside a liquor store Sunday morning The place isn't open Came for cigarettes Beers and Bloody Mary mix That's it A church bell rings one time for every commandment Call it a life of sin Call it whatever you wish But no sin, no forgiveness No Jesus, well, maybe a Jesus Who dies just like everyone else
outside a liquor store Sunday morning the place isn't open well, it was maybe four of us but it could have been anyone anyone who's bowed their head before closed doors Call it a lap of sin Call it whatever you wish But no sin No forgiveness No Jesus Well maybe a Jesus Who dies Just like everyone else Outside a liquor store Sunday morning The place isn't open Anymore A song called Liquor Store. That's great. So where does that where does that beautiful little tune fit in chronologically um, in the in the Gary Singer songwriter spectrum? Is that something somewhat new or? Um, oh, that's a few years old. That's when okay? I was back living at the little place on beach, like we've talked about, and yeah. the liquor barn used to be open. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm not sure I've spent a lot of time sitting outside the liquor barn waiting for it to open on a Sunday morning or how I should feel about that. But uh, I certainly imagined it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, um, um, I guess this is an open question to both of you, um, to Gary and Pat. You feel like songwriting, I guess naturally just, kind of comes in waves and um you get on one will you know inspire the the next possibly um and then you know you can see uh some inspiration going on there uh well i would <laughs> i would start with it it uh, for me it's more of a or it's an idea of uh, giving yourself time and opportunity to allow it to happen. Like, I don't feel in control of it really at all. But what I can do is set aside quiet time by myself to simply play and uh, without any intention. And and then sometimes it starts happening. Yeah. And then when it does, like I think you were talking about, you know, it's you get your notebook out and just write down everything <laughs> that's coming to mind. Yeah without worrying about what it means or what it might say or, or how, it, how it might end up. <laughs> but no. as far as songs connecting to each other, I'm, I'm not really sure. The only way I group songs is in the periods that they happened in. Right. So yeah, that's from a, you know, a few years ago, and there's other songs that were written at that time. But I mean, I don't know if there's... 
you know, connections between them besides. I know, I know, you know, there have been times, you know, earlier, the younger years where it seemed like anything, anything interesting or intense came out as song, but you know, you, you grow up, I've got a lot of other things to do and I do actually have to set aside time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's in the middle of the night, which is a great time for it for me anyways, because I kind of have to let go of everything else. But yeah, I get into that space and I've, you know, I can sit down and like, I, I just really want to create something and I've got nothing. And then you start noodling around and then you stumble across something, you know, throw a couple of words on it and find out that there's something there and you keep, keep playing with it until you figure out what it means. Yeah. Like it, for me, it, it, it usually starts with guitar and just playing mm-hmm. without intention, just, and, and eventually some pattern or something will catch your ear Oh yeah, and it's like, Oh, okay. I like that pattern. I'm not quite sure what it is, and but I like the way it feels. And then you keep playing that, and then if you're lucky, you know something will start appearing in your mind. Much like if you imagine, uh, like if you listen to a song in your head, which I'm sure lots of people can do. Hey, remember this song, and you can, and it's similar to that, mm. where, but there's there's not really words. There's maybe a melody line, kinda. And then you start I, mumbling and blah, blah, oh, yeah. blah. And no, there's, I've got an older song of mine that I wrote because I misunderstood the first line of somebody else's song. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> then I read the lyric sheet and it's like, oh, wow. I guess I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grab it, man. Take credit <laughs> for when that. When you find it. Yeah. And then, and then there's... Yeah, and Gary, you're absolutely right. Um I'm a social worker, and um, so I'm putting out fires often, and I just don't have time. You know, when I get home, it takes me so long sometimes just to decompensate and just wash that day off of me. But, you know, as we've talked about, I play darts, and maybe I'll come home and that's listen to music, you know, hopefully find some in- inspiration. And, um, and you know hope that maybe eventually I can get to a, a place that um, <laughs> that will, your dogs don't will, own will be, yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what, what people don't know about the Howling Coyote Tour radio hours is uh, the stagehands is suck. the stagehands really suck and they're furry and sometimes they hump each other's legs um, so yeah <laughs> So, but just throw a ball and usually they'll be just fine. But yes, time. Um, in fact, what I did recently is I went and I decided to get myself, um, there's uh, these little, these little cottages on, in your, your side of town called the, the Apple, Apple Creek cottages. And, um, they've got little kitchenettes and they've got little patios and they're like little studio uh, apartments and I just I decided just to get out of the house and away from everything that even looks like responsibility and just unplug myself and immediately that's the first thing that happened I brought my axe with me and it just kind of came out you know it was like it's there I just never let it you come out, let it, you yeah, know. you have to have to let it out once in a while. Right, right. 
It's good to know it's still there when you go and sit, you sit down to do that. Oh though. my God. I'll yes. tell you, it's not always there for me. I've well, spent hours sitting yeah. around waiting for something to happen. It's like, yeah, nothing today, nope. I guess. Hang it up. Yeah. But yeah, time is precious. That's actually one thing I love about going on these tours is there's plenty of time during the day before the shows just to sit around and play. And you hear other people doing that that are on, on the tour and you're like, oh, wow, that, that sounded good. And then you get inspired and jump in your car and drive up the coast or something and, you know, try, try to do the same thing. So, yeah, you couldn't have said it better. Time and, and giving yourself that time just to be able to let stuff out. And then there's the, the, the subject matter of writing songs and performing songs. So here's another open question. Um, how many songs, or what, what do you think the percentages are of songs that you write that actually make it to the stage and speak to you in a performance style? Because some songs I can say that I've worked really hard on in the studio and I think sound great in the studio, but I don't think would translate well doing live. Um, I'm not really good at reading that. Honestly, I've, I've, I've written songs where I think this is the best thing I've ever done and I'll try it out a half a dozen, a dozen times. And it, it, it's like, I'm not even there. <laughs> I know that, you know, feel. other songs where it's like, Oh, I'll just noodle around. I only have one verse. So I'll sing it three times and play it wrong the second time. And it, and it registers with people. I, I honestly, I can't read it. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever been able to. Well, do you on your side, not from what the audience or the fan base might be listening to, but on your side, are there songs that you've written that you that just for you feel good playing live? That you know, that's kind of where I was going with with that that question. There are, yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of honestly, I think for me, depends on how I happen to be feeling in in that room that night. You know, and if I if I'm at a place where I can accept that the best thing I can do is to let myself wander away with it and play everything the most indulgent way that I really want to hear, you know, it's the most it ends up being the most honest. As long as the room is receptive to it, then they're going to have a much better time, and so am I. But I can personally that's a place that I have to get to. Yeah, those are those have been my favorite performances of of you. Is I and I I, I see you do it. I see you say uh, you know i'm just gonna play this I mean, i'll just for, check out for, for a little me. while yeah. <laughs> this one's gonna be 12 minutes and long and then i dial in and i'm like okay well i don't care what's going on here but i need to check this out i need to go on wherever wherever pat's going <laughs> i I'll, i want to go there with him how how, how about you gear what, what would you say about i that? think i generally find in performing that i like the easy ones <laughs> or that's where i go it's like because uh, there's all kinds of ideas about what i'm gonna do when I'm going to play a show and then there ends up being what I actually do. And there are, and, and I'm not sure it's exactly what you're asking, but there certainly are songs that I go to that are like, okay, I'm nervous. I'm uncomfortable. Okay. Play that one. Yeah. You know, a song like liquor store is a little bit like that. And, uh, um, so if that answers your question, yeah, you know, and then the next open question would be, um, and I think I know the answer, the obvious answer. Um, you know, how do we find other people's music that fits into our performance style that translates well? Um, you mean like playing covers? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, that makes me think of this, is uh, 
Some, I've, I've been recently playing a cover of Johnny Be Good. Now, Johnny Be Good is a song that I, I would never play. Like, for me, you don't play certain iconic stuff. You just don't do it. But, uh, and that's just one of my personal things. But there was one day I was just playing guitar, found a very simple pattern that just felt good. It's like, well, I really like playing this pattern. This, the best this song can great. sit in. Right. And then what happens, just like when you're writing, you start hearing the voice in your head. And I'm going with it for a while and mumbling some words. And then it's like, oh, man, this is a song already. This is a song. <laughs> this is a song. It's like, what song I is this? I just must save myself six hours. Yeah, yeah. This is already a song. And then it's like, oh, man, it's Johnny Be Good. It's like, but then it's like, but I trust in that process. So now I perform it. And it's like, it's a version of Johnny Be Good that I don't think and hope is not really anything like Chuck Berry's version. And uh, so in terms of discovering covers to play uh that in the end feels pretty fortunate to me that that happens every now and then mm. yeah that's that is yeah and then it's not a cover anymore you know then it's just kind of like it's your, an interpretation it's interpretation right? i think that that covers a lot of ground right it's like i'll do uh neil young's heart of gold once in a while and that's a song a lot of his are but that's a song that I honestly think for the most part, people shouldn't play because you sound, you you can be a phenomenal singer and musician. You kind of sound silly singing it because there's, he's got a very, he, he really has a very peculiar voice, especially in his younger years and in a lovely style of playing and a really peculiar voice. When those two fit together that way, there's a, there's a magic there. Like old Bob Dylan songs. When people try to cover Bob Dylan songs, they try to, they, magically they just turn into bob dylan they're doing an mm -hmm. impersonation which feels really silly like if you if you right. were, if you were doing johnny be good at uh, original tempo uh, it would sound ridiculous i agree it'd be a which lot of, exactly it'd be a lot of fun it. but it'd also be it'd, it'd be silly yeah <laughs> so, so yeah it would be could, certainly would be silly for me to do it right you know? right i have i have a, a my voice is too deep and too pushy to sing neil young mm -hmm. the way he does so i play it much much differently that you wouldn't recognize it. and people generally don't recognize it until until they figure out what the words are so yeah and, make it fit and then what of I course do. you you i think a lot of people want to play songs that you wish people would play and you wish songs that got exposed more often yep and yep. that had more light brought to them and so you you like okay i want to turn these people on to this artist or this song yeah, I play I play covers that are generally unrecognized by anybody in an audience, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And they think they're your songs. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's a form of theft or something. <laughs> you know, it's only returns to ASCAP, yeah. Um, do you do you play any any Big Star? Yeah, we both play Ballad of El Gudo. You do that too. I was just thinking you know I was funny? just thinking about that when you were I've, talking about I've it. It's like heard, we should both play that. On I've Friday. never heard the song. I've heard Trips Shakespeare's version of it. I, I, I heard, I think I heard a live, a, a bootleg, a German bootleg of Evan Dando doing an acoustic cover of that oh, or, okay. or Sin City. And he just stopped halfway through because somebody was talking in the audience and he was probably <laughs> drugged out of his mind at the time. But yeah, good stuff. Yeah, Big Star mm -hmm. is originally from... Uh, I think they're, I don't know where Alex Chilton's from. Oh, okay. They recorded in Memphis. I don't know. Maybe he's from there. Okay. 
I assume that they were from somewhere around your neck yeah. of the woods. Well, the replacements wrote a song called Alex Chilton that references, <laughs> and the replacements are from Minneapolis. Right. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, if anyone out there um, knows where Big Star is from. Yeah, yeah, knows where Big Star is from, give me a call, 928 3928. Uh, I'll take call number three. Check, <laughs> and check them out. Do check out, Gary, where, where can people check your music out? Um, I know if they, the best way to check out any artist is to actually go and support live music, go and see the performers, get their merchandise at the shows. That's the best experience that you're going to have as a fan is by seeing it live and getting the merchandise then and there. Um, radio is something that used to exist. Freeform radio is something that used to exist where we couldn't, we didn't have access to music. We actually had to go to a record store. We had to go maybe have a, a subscription to Warehouse um, and get cassettes or albums. Like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, there was no, there, there were no apps. Um, what, was, what was a station that you used to listen to? Back in the day, KQRS. And uh, what what type of stuff would you hear on on that? Uh, that when point? I was real young, first listening to radio, that was like, it's what classic rock was before classic rock. You know, your Beatles, Led Zeppelin, you know, Pink Floyd. I remember the Battle of the Bands thing, and Led Zeppelin just destroyed everybody every week. And uh, but yeah, I would listen to that. But I, I felt like at the time, the radio then, I don't know much about radio now, is that, so you hear Beatles songs, but you hear 20 different Beatles songs in the course of, you know, a week or whatever. It's not just one song played over and over again. Right. So that's the way I remember radio from being a kid. Yeah, what they call deep tracks now, I, I suppose. Right. The B-sides. <laughs> Was there a station that you used to listen to when, when you were growing up, Pat? Um, I wasn't real big on... Radio, because the stuff, the stuff that I was honestly familiar with was WHCN and CCC, both out of Hartford. But like Gary's saying, it was all the stuff that um, that I I was sort of inclined to avoid because that's what the older brothers would listen to. All the all the Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd was coming out of my brother's room down the hall, mm -hmm. and I had my own noisy stuff that wasn't on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Actually, I was lucky. There was a station called K Rock back in the '80s that played a lot of um, Squeeze, Elvis Costello, mm. the Plimsolls. Um, they were the first ones to break the Sex Pistols. Uh, Rodney on the Rock was a, a DJ. Um, they, they've done a documentary about him. He's he's a interesting, interesting man. Um, but yeah, they would play songs that. A lot of other stations in the country weren't breaking at that time. Right. Um, in, the, in that little pocket of of new music that was separating itself from, you know, whether it was punk or whether it was, you know, what they called. Um, I never, I never liked the term new age. New wave. New wave, yeah, yeah. rather, yeah. Um, but uh, and then all the artists that that Gary referred to, I guess, was. An alternative 
you know, um, is what they call alternative to a certain extent. But, to, but that kind of stuff good, at that, yeah, at that good time, songwriters, good, yeah, you good had bands. to find that stuff outside of radio. Those were the days when you could go to a record store and, for one thing, there, there weren't a half a billion things to choose from. So you'd actually mm-hmm. just sift through the racks and see what was in that week. And there were only like six new, right. <laughs> six new yeah, albums. Yeah. Yeah. And then that was an experience. So yeah, go out and, uh, support live music, support live artists, get their merch. That's still the best way to experience a lot of music in my, my humble uh, opinion. So, um, Pat, would you like to play one more song? Sure. Okay. Great. All right. So Pat Berry is about to play, but before Pat Berry plays, um, a thank you so much for, for coming me. out and yapping on uh, on the mic for me uh, uh, tonight. Um, please do come down to the uh, Mark's Beer Garden on Friday, June twenty eighth, from six to nine p.m. and check out Pat Berry and Gary Eucara, and as well, even sooner. You can check out Gary Euchre's Woodshed at the Birdcage every Wednesday. He will feature a different a different singer songwriter. And tomorrow night, um, today is the 18th. Is that correct? Tonight. 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 Oh, tonight. <laughs> tonight, Wednesday, the 19th. Um, come down to the Birdcage in Prescott if you happen to be in the area and check out Gary Euchre's Woodshed featuring John Hust. Uh, John Hust, a uh, uh, probably between the three of us in this room, one of all of our favorite singer-songwriters in this in this town, um, is going to be there, and he is as rare as the elusive John Hust, uh, Bigfoot, basically. So, uh, <laughs> so come down and check out the Hust uh, tomorrow at Gary's Woodshed at the Birdcage between seven and ten. Show, show starts at seven. At seven, excellent. And then on Friday. The uh, the twenty first. Th- thank you at um, the Raven Cafe here in Prescott, Arizona. Please come down and support and check out Pat Berry at the Raven. Um, that is going to be again. Um, he doesn't play around as much as he used to. I come do and not play around and check him <laughs> out because um, it's 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 a special special night when whenever you get a chance to. Um, yeah, you can please, uh, Pat. Where where can people check you out on online? Uh, well, I do have the I guess you'd call it an artist page on Facebook. That's a good place to go right now. Uh, SoundCloud page. I've got a lot of live stuff there. Some stuff with the band. Some covers. Demo-y stuff. Every now and again, I'll put something new up there. Excellent. There's all sorts of new stuff in the works. Website and Patreon and all that sort of stuff. Bands in town. So. And is, does Gary exist on on the internet? Oh, not really. Or not <laughs> not for much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't find much of me online. I'm. Uh, How about if anyone uh, is any of your music anywhere on online? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. So right, <laughs> which is another reason why, ladies and gentlemen. Do you do you have any? Thanks for stopping by. Merchandise. 
if if someone were were to come and see you play live, do you have any of the CDs that you that you have? Uh, yeah, I, I carry some recordings with me. Excellent. If somebody Beautiful. dare approach me in public. <laughs> Excellent. And ask about Just it. Don't look him in the eye. I'd probably I'd probably give him something. Excellent. All right. So that's even a better reason to go see Gary Euchre live. And then back tonight, <laughs> Wednesday, the nineteenth. Of June in Prescott, Arizona at the Birdcage because that's probably the only chance you'll ever get to uh, actually get some of Gary Euchre's re recorded music and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So you, sh you should check that out. All right, right, I'm going to stop blabbing. Thank you everyone for another great um, <coughs> podcast of the Helen Coyote Tour Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary. Um, I, I hope I did not offend and thank you, Pat. <laughs> And uh, let's. I'm going to shut up and let you guys play a couple noise. songs. <laughs> All right, this is this is, uh, this is off an older album of mine. This is called Phonograph. I recall I left a phonograph with you Some recordings I had made Some young and foolish tunes just for you Am I a photograph, an autograph A mimeograph of your mother's man With as tight a grip as ever kept On your other lover's hand call I run and Juliet is the sun wearing thin like the chalk outlines you've drawn are the words you choose too few to draw conclusions just look at the way we lie back to my chest with my face to the sky muttering things on butterfly wings if wishes were wheelchairs we'd ride with you some recordings I had made some young and foolish tunes just for you
Meet me out in the country You leave your mission on the shelf As I'm tired of talking to myself One more try is the reason why I'm gonna head out west And you might like to ride along, I bet It's back home when your feet get cold And your bones start to itch Well, it can't hurt to throw a little dirt So I might be jinxed already. <laughs> Two, three, four. Meet me out in the country. You leave your mission on the shelf. Cause I'm tired of talking to myself. One more try is the reason why. I'm gonna head out west. And you might like to ride along, I bet It's back home when your feet get cold And your bones start to itch Well, it can't hurt to throw a little dirt Maybe get lit well, In town, the sun's going down Seasons adrift Can't find an open door or an exit Out here, mom's near She's not fair but she listens She's calling out to us from the kitchen and Back home when your feet get cold And your bones start to itch Well, it can't hurt to throw a little dirt Maybe get lit to her table I thought we might be missed I was wrong but unable to resist Sunday morning, your eyes won't open You're praying for a fix Dad might hear, but he don't care one bit Out here, mom's near She's not fair, but she listens She's calling out to us Like we've been missing and Back home when your feet get cold And your bones start to itch Well, it can't hurt to throw a little dirt Maybe get lit Back home when your feet get cold And your bones start to itch Well, it can't hurt to throw a little dirt Maybe get lit
kind of got it that time. 